0: You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com.
1: This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled, Facing the Future, What We Learned from the 2021 Chargeback Field Report and features experts from Chargebacks 911.
2: Hello, and welcome to today's presentation that will look at the results of a new study examining fraud and chargebacks in a post-pandemic world. Uh, My name is DJ Murphy, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Card Not Present. I want to welcome you all uh, who've joined us today. It is pretty much written into my contract at this point that any webinar or presentation that I'm involved in must start with the words, 2020 changed everything. Um, And it did. But 2020 has passed, uh, lockdowns have been over in much of the world for months and businesses are now taking stock of what the last 18 months have done and, and starting to poke their heads out, dust themselves off and get back to normal. So um, in e-commerce, it's been a really mixed bag in the last year. Some verticals saw growth that they had never seen before and some verticals were essentially shut down. And the mix of this was, was really complicated uh, for the industry, uh, for all of them, no matter what side of the fence they were on, fraud and chargebacks became even more complicated than ever. Uh, it it's, uh, was always a complicated subject, but, uh, but throw, uh, throw the pandemic into it and, and it really sort of supercharged everything. So sorting through that all is never easy, but it always helps to have good data to guide the way. Um, our presentation today is gonna to detail the results of a study undertaken by Chargebacks 911. I reported on the top line numbers in CNP recently when it, uh, when it, it came out just uh, a little bit ago, but I'm, I'm thrilled to have these folks here today to dig in a little deeper into the data, uh, tell us what it means for e-commerce merchants who are trying to get back to normal. So with me today, uh, we have uh, Amina Zahirovic. Uh, Amina's from HelloFresh and uh, David Pirtle, uh and Jared Wright are both from Chargebacks 911, and you'll be hearing their voices. Uh, you'll be seeing the, uh, the deck and the results. We're going a little bit old school today, uh, but I wanna welcome all of you. Thank you for being with us. I'm gonna hand it over to them in just a second, but I wanted to remind everybody that is listening of a few things. Uh, one, we are taking questions. Uh, David and Amina will be, uh, will be taking your questions, so please use the Q&A function on uh on your zoom dashboard and ask your question at any time um we'll get to them at the end but just go ahead and ask uh type them in whenever you think of them so you don't forget and also we are recording today's event Uh, it will be available on cardnotpresent.com uh subsequently we'll let everybody know when that happens so uh, thank you we're going to kick things off and i'm going to turn it over to david david welcome
3: um, so I think Jared's going to take the slide, but uh, thank you for having us there today. Um, very happy to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, guys. Um, <clears throat> so as, as DJ had said off the top, by the way, this is, uh, uh, my name is Jared Wright. I'm the kind of marketing half of uh, the team speaking today from Chargebacks 911. Um, and so what I'm basically going to do today is sort of introduce some of the stats uh, that we re- recently released in our 2021 Chargeback Field Report. Um, we, we worked with census wide who surveyed more than 400 merchants that accept card not present transactions um, and the report, just in general, includes a lot of insights, both into the current state of chargebacks and the broader impacts of COVID-19 pa- pandemic. Um, if uh, anybody's interested in the report, we encourage you, um, I think the easiest way to find it would just be to search chargeback field report in Google. Um, I think it's the only one out there. Um, <clears throat> So, and just on a personal note, just to echo what DJ said, I think that, um, this, this report and, um, you know, the webinars and content that we're doing in support of it, I, I feel like is going to be sort of the tail end of, um, the content that we do that's focused around COVID-19. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that, but, um, I, I really am embracing the idea of a new normal and, uh, my focus is, uh, on the normal part. And so hopefully this will be, a. Kind of the closing chapter to to the last year and a half that everyone's been experiencing. Um, the first one we're going to start off with kind of a kind of a simple thing. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm sure most people are aware, but back in 2018, uh, Visa replaced the term chargeback with dispute, and it created some confusion in the industry. So what we wanted to do is try to measure. Um, The number of uh, merchants that were using the word chargeback primarily to speak about, um, you know, these transaction disputes and uh, how many had adopted disputes um, as Visa seems intent on uh, encouraging people to do. Um, And the stats came out fairly mixed. It seems like the majority of merchants were using both equally, whereas uh, 36 merchants were, or 36% of merchants were favoring chargebacks and a smaller 21% had uh, begun to favor the term disputes um i'm not sure david do you have any sense of um of you know how common the the term is Is, are are most merchants in your experience kind of using the terms interchangeably
3: uh interchangeably yes so disputes and chargebacks uh chargebacks more often than not though so of course i on i speak to many merchants on a daily basis and they still uh you know refer to the cycle as a chargeback um So Chargebacks 911, however, we prefer the word uh, dispute because we consider ourselves a dispute resolution uh, company. So there's actually many types of dispute resolution today. Um, There's retrievals, there's chargebacks as part of that, there's preemptive alerts, there's all of these types of uh, ways to resolve what we consider disputes. So we have tried to shift to the new terminology uh, as confusing as it may be and use the word disputes.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that makes sense. Um, and, and so just, just for the way that we've talked about it, and I think, you know, the way that uh, David and, like I said, we're kind of going through an evolution, but where we're at, at least um, on our blog and when we talk about it, um, is that uh, we typically use the term dispute to refer to the act of challenging the transaction uh, taken on behalf of the cardholder. So, for example, the cardholder can dispute a charge. Um, whereas in contrast, we use the term chargeback just to refer to the technical process by which the dispute is resolved. Um, so another way to think about it is that w- when we say dispute, generally what we mean is, um, a verb. And uh, when we say chargeback, um, what we mean is the noun, the actual, um, uh, accounting mechanism. I, I think this is, this is, uh, in flux as David said, so it's going to be interesting to see where, where we end up, where the industry ends up, but, um but it's definitely, definitely an open question right now. So, so we thought this was an interesting, interesting question. Um, the next question we asked is, um, how much of a concern is friendly fraud? And the overwhelming majority of merchants said, um, you know, uh, it was either a major concern or somewhat of a concern within their business, which is, which is good to hear. I think that you know, when we did similar studies three or four years ago, I think that that number was much lower I think friendly fraud was not really on the average merchant's radar. So it's, it's heartening to see that um, more merchants are taking friendly fraud seriously. Um, however, according at least to their own estimates, um, only 29% of merchants felt confident that they were taking steps to mitigate friendly fraud. Um, <clears throat> David, I, I, you know, this, this, this seems to match what I would expect. How about you? This, is, this, is this what you would expect to see based on your conversations with merchants?
3: Yeah, uh, it's exactly on trend with what I hear in conversations when I speak with merchants. Uh, it's just a very hard act to pinpoint um, when chargebacks come in, you know, due to the fact that they're miscoded. Um, the issuer has very limited information to take in from the consumer. They don't have transaction information, so friendly fraud does get mixed up in a lot of other reason codes, which is. Um, you know, very confusing for merchants, but it's a concern just because it's kind of like that mystery out there. You don't really know how to pinpoint it. It's very hard to uh, as a merchant working alone to pinpoint their friendly fraud. Um, But Amina is on the call and I think she can probably shed some light firsthand on, you know, if friendly fraud is concerned and her approach to it as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think, you know, from a merchant perspective, it, it depends on on what makes sense for your business, right? So, you know, if chargebacks or, excuse me, if disputes are a problem, right? Um, it makes sense to mitigate them, to avoid them, all chargebacks, right? The way you're handling friendly fraud and true fraud um, to avoid exceeding thresholds, looking at program fines. Um, however, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes it's more so, you know, you take the chargeback and you fight it. And so um, that's really what, the, the approach that you take as a merchant really drives, you know, does it make sense for me to, to fight the the friendly fraud or not?
0: Yeah, I think, I think all that makes sense. Uh, David, in in your opinion, is, is it, is dealing with friendly fraud is the, is the reason that so few merchants seem to have a handle on it? Is it just because it's hard um, or, or is it, or is it really just not, not a priority for some merchants?
3: Um, like Amina said, I think it's situational. I mean, it all depends on your risk threshold. How much risk can you take in as a merchant will gauge your concern with chargebacks or disputes in general. Um, So, you know, it is obviously a concern, uh, admittingly, but your actions you take to remedy that concern depends on, you know, a lot of different factors. I think one of the biggest factors to, you know, not uh, having an approach to mitigating friendly fraud would be not many merchants know where it's coming from. And because chargebacks come in in a certain way and certain reason codes, it is also very hard for them to look into that true source and figure out, okay, is this friendly fraud or is this a true fraud um, you know, account? So. Um, that would probably be the, the biggest question I get, or the biggest struggle for internal teams that I encounter when speaking to merchants about chargebacks is just identifying which chargebacks to dispute and what is allocated as friendly fraud and true fraud. So probably you know, the concern is there, but the approach is not defined yet.
0: Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's a reasonable take. That's an interesting stat. One of the things that we discovered is that uh, merchants increasingly seem to be turning towards third-party solutions for chargeback management as they recognize the unique challenges of managing friendly fraud. Um, <clears throat> in our study, 43% of merchants um, that were, um, you know, part of companies that were uh, doing more than 70 million annually um, were outsourcing some element of chargeback management. And, and I, kn- I know, um, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I'm confident that um, that when we've asked this question in the past, th- this, this number is definitely the highest that we've gotten. So the, the trend seems to be, and, and David, correct me if I'm wrong, but the trend seems to be that um, you know, more and more large merchants are realizing the advantages of um, using a, th- a third-party solution for some of the more complicated parts of their chargeback management. Is, is that is that the trend that, that you would agree with?
3: Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, are going on in the ecosphere of payments that uh, would incentivize merchants to lean on third-party companies for help. Um, one being data. I mean, data drives everything today. You really have to consider, um, you know, the more data you have as a company, whether you're, you know, approaching this from an internal aspect and uh, in a merchant managing it in-house or you are a third party, data is key. So obviously third parties that have been doing this for you know decades now, we have the luxury of all of this aggregate data and could simplify processes. But that, aside from the fact that COVID has created just a massive uptick in every piece of a business. So you know you're dealing with uh, scale, logistics, customer service scale uh, problems. You're dealing with fulfillment problems. You're dealing with heightened risk exposure. You're dealing with all of these aspects, right? So I think companies now are picking and choosing what they want to focus on as their core focus and growing their business rather than, uh, you know, managing a chargeback case response. You know, it's just something that could be outsourced. There's great solutions out there. And I think, you know, COVID has forced um, a lot of merchants to reach out for some help uh, in a very quick manner that they can scale up with. Um, but yeah, Amina, what's your take on this?
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think you know from a merchant perspective, it's it's you're either looking it comes down to your resources or the optimization piece, right So so with you know the pandemic and companies growing year over year, um, naturally, disputes tend to grow in correlation with, with your sales. And so it comes down to having to outsource, right? Maybe all of the volume, maybe some of the volume just to help rather than you know aim, hiring people in-house. Um, But then the other aspect of it is, David, like you touched on, is the data piece, right? So other merchants might be looking at, okay, you know, how do I optimize the revenue I'm able to recover by winning these disputes? Um, And so you could fight it in-house or you could look to outsource with like Chargeback 711, for example, to take a look at, you know, let me use their network and their data and their knowledge to see if I could increase the revenue I'm able to recover um, strategically, right? Rather than continuously using the the same old methods that we would in house.
3: Right. And I think also chargeback management is a very broad term. So that can come in a lot of different approaches. It could be a front end fraud filter. It could be an outsourced you know, chargeback representment company. It could be using card scheme tools to prevent chargebacks. It could be using third party data to, you know, give transparency into your data set as a merchant. So chargeback management is very broad, but I think um, merchants in general, when they're coming to me and having a conversation is they're leaning to get more transparency into what could be um, rather than just, you know, trying to focus on it themselves. They have bigger things to worry about.
0: Yeah, I think all that makes sense. And, and by the way, we should we should take this moment just to encourage everyone to to go check out the field report for themselves, um, because some some of the some of this detail um, that David referenced, some of the more granular information is included. We're not going to have time to go through every stat today, so um, you know we, we have sliced and diced uh, some some of this data in a little bit a little bit deeper than um, we're going to talk about today. So if you're at all interested in in um, this data we encourage you to go and uh, and delve deeper into the the entire report Um, the um, the the next question we had it's it's always interesting to me to assess sort of merchants merchants feelings about um, chargebacks and whether or not the situation's getting better or worse whether or not they're sort of personally feeling like they're getting a handle on it Um, and so so in the report we asked um, merchants um over the last 3 years whether or not they they feel like they've experienced an increase in criminal fraud and then we asked them if they've experienced an increase in friendly fraud and the overwhelming majority of merchants said that they had um over the last 3 years experienced an increase in criminal fraud and friendly fraud now we asked this separate from questions that pertain to um <clears throat> covid we did we had a covid specific um so this question is even before you know any of the changes that happened because of covid And I I think I think this is consistent maybe with what we would expect. But um, David, do you you, you think is your sense that criminal fraud actually growing at at a similar rate to friendly fraud or is is there something else sort of at play?
3: Um, I think when we and we have to remember, so we did ask merchants um, in, in just a questionnaire survey to give their opinion on it. Um, and being that criminal fraud and friendly fraud is so hard to separate with outside expertise and extra data to help you along with that, um, I think this stat probably shows that the uh, consistent increase of what is coded as friendly, fr- I mean what is coded as fraud, uh, chargebacks coming in, and what they think is friendly fraud coming in is pretty much staying on trend you know, banks are still coding uh, friendly fraud as fraud or unauthorized or things like that. So um, I think that's why we're seeing this stat the way it is. But in my opinion, I don't think criminal fraud is growing at the rate as friendly fraud, just because especially with with COVID, uh, consumers are aware of the avenue of a dispute today. It's very easy. Banks are, you know, overwhelmed with this Um, on the front end of having to cope with these consumer disputes, especially now with the shift online. So I think more and more um, ease and speed to resolve disputes is contributing to um, the growth in friendly fraud. But yeah, I don't think think necessarily criminal fraud is growing with that um, at the rate as friendly fraud is. It could just look like it, (laughs) it's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think I think one of the challenges is sort of untangling it, and yeah, it is important to remember that this is, you know, anytime you're talking about <clears throat> a set of data, you know, there there's there's certain blind spots that any sort of possessor of data has. Um, and, you know, we're, we're a big fan. This report is one way that you could look at it, but there's, you know, we've also released reports that are based on sort of internal data or aggregated data. And then we've worked with industry partners where, you know, we've used their internal data to kind of look at the numbers. And, um, <clears throat> you know, when you slice the data, depending on, you know, who's looking at it, what the, what the data set is, you know, how the, the data is um, uh, accrued, um, you know, a lot of times you can come to sort of different understandings and, and different opinions, but um, it is important to remember that this is, this is a sort of self-diagnosed, so this is, this is measuring the feeling of merchants, not necessarily their actual situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then to that end, I think, and this is probably to David's point, what, you know, generally I think that merchants sort of feel like f- criminal fraud and friendly fraud is playing sort of a dual role um, in the growth of, of chargebacks that they're experiencing. I think most merchants would agree that chargebacks, that the, the, there's a, a gradual increase in the number of chargebacks that they're dealing with year over year. Um, but, and, and, and I think if you just look at reason codes, I think the studies that I've seen recently seem to indicate that the fraud category of reason codes is about half um, as, as you know the non-fraud. Category of reason code, so it's very reasonable for merchants that are just looking at those two data points to assume that criminal fraud and friendly fraud are playing relatively equal parts. Now, this is this is assuming, you know, this is this is taking you know just the average merchant. Of course, every single merchant is going to have different fraud liabilities and different friendly fraud liabilities and things like that. But but just in general, I think that that's this this graph is. I think a lot of merchants would agree with that. But the thing that 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 you need to remember is that some element of the, the chargebacks that are coded as criminal fraud, whether it's a small element or a large element, you know, a lot of times depends on your individual business, but some element of those chargebacks, as David said, are instances of friendly fraud that are just miscoded. Um, and I don't know, David, do you want to kind of walk us through maybe some examples of why that might be?
3: Uh, there are many examples, but yes. Um, so friendly fraud. So let's, let's talk about friendly fraud for a second. Friendly fraud would be a dispute that comes in Um, when a cardholder actually used their card to purchase from you for your services or goods, and then for whatever reason, went to their bank to request a refund or dispute the charge, right? So things that could cause friendly fraud, and this is why it's so hard to pinpoint for a merchant that's working with their data set, is it could literally be a customer service policy. So you didn't offer a refund and they felt like they should. They didn't, wait on, they didn't wait on the phone for five minutes for someone to pick up. They uh, did wait on the phone, you gave them a refund and they feel they didn't get that refund fast enough. Maybe you had a uh, you know, delay in your gateway to refund and it took longer than they expected so they went to their bank. Uh, maybe they knew they were gonna go to their bank and they say that they didn't recognize the charge. Maybe your descriptor confused them. So lots of things end up as friendly fraud it's really a legitimate transaction at the end of the day, but they went to their bank for many, many reasons. And because the bank doesn't have information on the transaction, like you as a merchant would, they have to take their word of their consumer and then file the charge back. Most of the time they are claiming fraud or it may be perceived as fraud at the issuing bank side. So it is coded as a fraud reason code. Um, so that is why it's so hard to look into things, it could take a lot of research to actually come down to, okay, actually this is a friendly fraud case, but it is coded as fraud. So I think lots of reasons can contribute to friendly fraud and why it's kind of hidden in the midst of, you know, all of the reason codes and not divided as equally.
2: Yeah,
0: I think that makes sense. And, and one that I always like to point out, um, the when people talk about friendly fraud, I think the image is of somebody who's trying to abuse the system, somebody who's trying to sort of get some shoes for free or whatever, whatever the ideas you want to use. Um, oftentimes, friendly fraud is is not that it's, you know, accidental. But um, when when somebody it's the most malicious versions of friendly fraud, so like cyber shoplifting, if you want to say that subset, um, a lot of times they will claim that they didn't make a purchase or, you know, they, they will, they've learned that those disputes are the ones that um, companies are less likely to, you know, represent. Um, And so just, just from that alone, there's, there's a certain number of, of uh, you know, illegitimate disputes that are, that are coded as fraud um, just from from bad actors trying to, trying to, trying to get away with something.
3: Uh, Amina, do you, do you have a comment on this? I think it'd be interesting to hear from a merchant's perspective of how they think, you know, friendly fraud becomes a hidden factor of chargebacks.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everything you touched on um, makes sense. You know, a customer calls the bank, they're irritated, they're yelling. Um, All the bank wants to do is, is for the customer to feel like they're heard and inevitably get their money back, right? And so regardless if the customer, you know, Got a discount code from a friend and used it, and now they're claiming they've never, you know, come across it before. Um, inevitably, you want the customer to be happy, and so it becomes really difficult for a merchant in these instances because, um, for example, with with myself, right? We I, I treat real fraud and friendly fraud differently, right? So if it's if it's true fraud as a merchant, I want the customer to get their money back and to take whatever steps necessary to avoid such fraudulent activity to happen again. However, because some cases are hidden, it takes away that ability for me to go in and have essentially a fair dispute and have have a chance to to respond to that specific inquiry appropriately. Um, and so that's kind of when it comes to true and then the hidden friendly fraud piece, it gets again to your point it gets really tricky because that's not visible to to merchants.
3: Awesome, yeah. I like the I like the comment on because it's hidden that you can't do the right thing as a merchant. So um, if any consumers are listening, <laughs> remember that.
0: <laughs> All right. So now we're going to get into the pandemic portion, um, and and this this you know I'm, I'm interested to hear um, your, your thoughts. Uh, because uh, we asked, what if any impact has COVID-19 pandemic had on your business? And I, and I think the simple narrative that I've been fed and sort of operating under is that um, CMP businesses did did great and uh, brick and mortar businesses um, you know really suffered uh, you know, over the last year. Um, but uh, given that we were really f- focusing our survey towards CMP merchants, um, you know th- this shows, that uh, uh, that isn't, that, that oversimplification definitely isn't the case. So um, David, you, you want to take a stab or, um, you know, provide some context here a little bit so, so we can kind of try to make sense of these numbers?
3: Yeah, I think Amina would actually be a better choice for this question. Um, and then I can kind of fill in what I hear from merchants when they call us.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so from my end, um, you know, HelloFresh, we we saw an uptick in order volume. And so, you know, the pandemic overall was, at least on the impact side was was pretty positive for us. Um, you know, we saw you know the the ability for us to deliver meal kits straight to customers' doors. You know the fact that we were able to fill that need, we, and, and honestly, we were grateful to be able to provide meals safely to customers. And so, with that, you know the uptick in order volume with everyone staying at home, um, you know really really was a positive effect on us. Um, now, of course, that you know it was a good effect for us and also our customers. However, with the pandemic and growth in volumes, um, you know typically you also see. Similar trends, as I mentioned before, with, with fraud and disputes where, where they correlate very heavily. And so um, in terms of the, the, the pandemic, you know, it was mostly positive. Um, however, there were still some, some concerns and some implications in terms of that those dispute volumes um, coming in. I don't know, David, if, if other merchants had had seen something similar or felt the same.
3: Um, well, most larger merchants see it just like you, both positive and negative. They're armed with the ability to Um, you know, meet the challenge a little bit more than a smaller merchant would. Uh, For example, when I uh, talk to smaller merchants, they are especially startups um, are dealing with this or a shift in uh, payment acceptance methods. That's when I see this being very negative. So for an example, restaurants will call me and they're like, okay, this is insane. We've shifted to e you know, online and pick up in store and our fraud rate is just out of control. They have no idea how to handle this. Um, and it's not so much positive for them because really their traffic has just shifted to a new avenue. It's not like they have more volume now. It's just, it's shifted, right? So when when I talk to companies like that, it's negative. Like they're, they're in panic mode, right? But for companies like you know, HelloFresh and um, people that are just used to doing things on, online, they're seeing an uptick both in positive and negative. So uh, it depends. And of course, the travel industry, You know when it first started coming out, uh, I would say 100% of every OTA out there will say the pandemic has had a negative effect on uh, their you know, dispute rate just for the fact that uh, people can't travel. So you know when they were calling me, Uh, sheer volume of um, chargebacks coming in and having to face the, you know, customer service aspect of all of those inquiries uh, was a huge challenge. Um, I talked to one OTA that uh, we were able to help out early in the pandemic and their call volume alone um, went from, I think he was doing about 2,000 calls a day to 15,000 calls a day. So uh, it was immediate. It was like a flip of the switch. So, um, yeah, it it really just depends on the merchant. Uh, but I do see larger merchants having that mixed view on it if they're in the ecom ecom space already.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think too. When when we were kind of dissecting these stats, we were a little bit surprised by this. And um, you know, I think we drilled down a little bit. And I, th- you know, one of the things that I th- I think people forget is that w- when you talk about card not present merchants, a lot of them are. Uh, merchants that also have brick and mortar uh, parts of the business, especially, um, you know, we, we did this survey earlier this year or so. So by uh, by 2021, you know, the pool of merchants that derived a significant amount of their revenue through, from card not present transactions ha- had increased. Um, so I, I think it's important that as people think about, you know, online merchants or card not present merchants, I think that, you know, thinking beyond the traditional online retailer or Um, you you know, um, sort of common e-commerce type businesses um, is going to be necessary as uh, more and more businesses rely on a card not present model. Um, and then the other thing that that probably contributed a little bit to this is the uh, increase in chargebacks. Um, the twenty five percent was the average increase. Most merchants said that they were dealing with some increase, um, and there was a lot of variance between industries, but um, the average was twenty five percent. so that's a that's a pretty big burden to add to, to any merchant, even if um, even if they are seeing a net positive to their their sales and their revenue, um, you know at a time when, you know, dealing with staffing and fulfillment issues is is is, is your main focus. Uh, having a system to, like David said, deal with phone calls or deal with chargebacks is uh, is an additional challenge that probably wasn't welcome. Um, <clears throat> so, and then we, we actually did break it down, um, and it, it does appear at least um, to some degree that the larger merchants um, reported a, a little bit more positive impact. Than the smaller merchants, probably because they had the ability to uh, to transition and to make adjustments, um, and uh, weren't as plagued by some of the issues that some of the smaller merchants uh, had to deal with, with uh, staffing and fulfillment and other things. Um, I mean, is is that do I do I have the right read on that, David? Is there is there what what's your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is right on trend with with what I expected to see. They're already thinking about scaling. They're already thinking about growth factors before it happens. That's a planning period that they expect. So um, maybe not so much as what COVID brought, but um, I think that's why you're seeing this stat. I mean, smaller companies just aren't prepared for that volume in any way, shape or form that came along with um, the impact of COVID.
0: Um, the, the, the next question I, was super interesting to me because we asked the merchants, how much of a concern, if at all, is COVID-19 in your business in 2021? Um, and and this, this, this survey, it wasn't done yesterday, but it was done you know well into 2021 when we asked the uh, merchants this question. And uh, we, we were really surprised to see that COVID-19 was, they were still thinking that it was gonna be a major concern for 2021. Um, so uh, David, um, what, what, what's your take on that? Why is it just, is it, is that the general sense that maybe merchants are a little gun shy?
3: Um, I think, you know, it should be a concern <laughs> of everyone in 2021, um, to deal with not particularly COVID-19, uh, hopefully, like you said, this is going to be, uh, you know, dying out soon. We're going to get back to normal, but I think it's a new normal. So you know, uh, COVID has forced consumers to shop in a different way, um, mostly shifting to e-com. And with that comes a comfort level that they didn't have before. Uh, It's kind of just, you know, they don't have a choice to be comfortable with it or not. They just have to do it now as as life. And I think it will will be here to stay. So the trends we're seeing, you know, the shift is just an excited, um, you know, version that's sped due to uh, due to the pandem- t- pandemic so i I don't expect volumes to go down um, I expect them to stay pretty steady maybe level off uh, a little bit uh, and not spike quite as much but I think I think the stats we're seeing uh, with fraud exposure the shift to ecom and what you're dealing with today is going to be around for a while so um, yeah I think merchants should be concerned with 2021.
1: Yeah. And I can, I can echo at least from the grocery and, and, you know, similar merchants to HelloFresh, you know, COVID, COVID accelerated existing customer trends, right? There's online groceries, there's delivering, people are cooking more at home. And so, Based off of research and data that's out there, you know, from our perspective, we anticipate these trends will stick. Um, however, David, to your point, right? You know, with COVID, it's it's a new, it's figuring out what that new normal is and and what those new trends would look like. Um, it's a new factor at play, and so I think you know, monitoring that and understanding how it impacts your business this year and next year and so on and so forth is something that that um, you know, myself as a merchant will definitely have have on my mind for the year.
0: The, the next question we asked is, uh, how would you characterize your expectation for your business in 2021 compared to 2020? And um, again, we were a little bit surprised by the split decision here, um, you know, with with around half of merchants feeling still pessimistic of 2021 um, compared to 2020. And I, I, I guess maybe that shouldn't be surprising, given that about half of merchants sort of, you know, had a had a overly negative um, experience in, in 2020. And. Um, Whereas half of them had, had a good experience. So maybe this is just the same question in reverse, but um, David, I, I, I don't know. Is this, is this sort of what you would expect to see? I, I was personally a little bit surprised. I thought 2021 would be um, merchants would generally be more optimistic just in, just in general, you know, not even, not even about their business, but just, just, you know, I, is, I I, I'd like to tell a story where everybody just feels really optimistic about 2021, but that, that wasn't at least in our survey, the case. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah,
3: I think, uh, you know, welcome to reality. It's not all great, (laughs) bad things happen and they last. So I think it's just probably because we did, um, you know, survey over 400 merchants and we try to distribute that, um, you know, out across many different types of merchant is why you're seeing this. You know, we talked about the restaurant industry. Um, oh my gosh, they are still uh, just in chaos with dealing with the shift to e-comm. It's just brand new to them. So um, I think, you know, this is just an opinion. It's just a fill for, you know, what they see uh, 2021 compared to 2020. And some people are still struggling. And, and, you know, this is a mix of many different merchants. So. I don't think I'm very surprised about it, but I would love to see those stats be higher in the optimistic section.
0: Yeah, it, it, it would be interesting. I know that logistically it's not possible, but it'd be interesting, you know, to to get sort of real time updates on the the sort of just general <laughs> optimism of uh, of merchants in the the card not present space, and you know how how the evolving situation is sort of changing people's minds and how people are thinking about it. But um, but it, you know, it's it's interesting. Next thing we asked is, uh, what if anything do you expect to be your primary focus in the coming year for your business? Um, this is another one where COVID, uh, to my mind, ranked the, the highest, and I was a little bit surprised by that again because this was twenty twenty one, but um, you know, um, it was it was still on top of everyone's mind. Um, is, is there anything in this in these in this data that stands out to, to anybody?
3: I think this is pretty right aligned with i what I expected. I mean, COVID, it's just it's on our minds every single day it's it's still not gone away. People have vaccines but they're not taking them. Uh, people are taking vaccines. So we it's still just this, you know, black hole of what's going to happen. So I think that is going to be in the forefront of people's mind uh, when doing business and being more prepared for maybe another situation, another wave. You know, we just don't know what happens. So um, that does not surprise me to see up on top. Um, and the rest is pretty online with with what I thought, nothing really surprised me uh, in this.
0: All right, and with that, what we're gonna hopefully field some of the questions. Um, DJ, you wanna kinda of take over?
2: Absolutely, uh, we did have some come in, but I, actually I wanted to ask a question of my own while I'm thinking of it. Um, and, and folks, uh, anybody who is on the call, please go ahead and, and go into your Q&A tab and, and ask some questions. If we don't get to all of them on the live event, um, somebody will get back to you offline with an answer to your question. Um, but uh, David, you were talking a little bit about travel and some of the uh, some of the verticals that that experienced a different uh, different issues in COVID nineteen than you know a lot of uh, a lot of traffic, a lot of a lot of transactions. Specifically, travel event ticketing was another. They got slammed with chargebacks when this first happened, as you mentioned. Um, the question is, do you hear them doing anything differently now and preparing for the next disruption? Or are things going back to normal and they're just, you know, gonna gonna hope that it doesn't happen again?
3: Um, you know, we as a company in charge of X911 saw a uptick in our travel clientele <laughs> um, yeah. uh, for the simple fact that first they had to deal with the sheer volume second you know part of what we do is we assess their best practices we do compliance reviews threat assessments we look at things that organically cause chargebacks which would better prepare them for the future um but but yeah first i think uh, they're leaning on experts to, to handle this they don't want to not be prepared for the situation when it comes up again um but and they're creating efficiencies and how they do business and we've seen you know the relationships between uh, the airline and and the OTAs change. So um, you know there's more help with the debit memo process now. There's there's a lot of things that we see changed due to this uh, you know pandemic, uh, and also the card schemes came out with protection and and they saw that okay this is a collapse. You know companies are are completely going down uh, due to chargebacks, and and it's crazy to think about that that these large companies are experiencing such a massive disruption because of this. But um, I think, you know, you'll continue to see change um, as as we adapt to uh, the change that COVID kind of stemmed in, in all verticals. Um, and we are seeing that with the tools and, and, you know, solutions that are coming out by the card schemes and different ways to um, resolve disputes and, you know, the tools that you can, you know, take advantage of, but, um, yeah, I think they're doing a lot to change uh, as quickly as possible, but I think it is getting back to normal. It's not as you know many of the calls that I'm filming today as it was when it first started. So um, that's good news at least.
2: Absolutely. Uh, okay, I'll, we'll get to uh, some of the questions from the audience now. Uh, here's one that asks, has the success rate per chargeback codes changed uh, or not over the last year between
3: pre-COVID and, and now? Um, can you repeat that one more time? Sorry.
2: It says, has the success rate per chargeback codes changed or not over the last year?
3: Um, I think maybe that is asking, are we able to still recover the same amount as we have been seeing previously? Um, And the answer is yes. So um, chargeback, when you think about a chargeback or a dispute in general, um, it is a chance to resolve an issue. So it's a problem. and it's presented to the issuer, and there's many, many ways to take care of that uh, inquiry or dispute. Right? There's tolls. There's the chargeback cycle. There are just understanding the sources of chargebacks. Um, but at the end of the day, all of this is governed by pull by rules, policies, regulations that the card schemes pass down to acquirers, that pass down to merchants, or you know that we understand as experts in dispute resolution. Um, that need to apply. So it's kind of like doing your taxes, uh, if you will. Horrible subject, no one likes to do it, but there are just as many rules and regulations to do with with dispute resolution are as there, there are with taxes. So, um, you know, it's just adapting to the changing rules that we've done that allow us to, to keep that same success rate and We do see that being a challenge for merchants uh, just because it has to be passed down through certain avenues and it just doesn't happen today. But uh, no, we haven't seen much change in success rate. What we have seen is um, merchant error chargebacks uh, maybe are contributing a little bit more to the situation of chargebacks and they are a little bit harder to overturn, but we can identify that as a company and help minimize the activities that a merchant may be doing to cause their own problem. And I think that is a big part to um, upping your win rate and getting a higher win rate, is to eliminate those chargebacks that you can't recover. Being that, um, you know, we put it in three buckets here at Chargebacks 911, we put criminal fraud chargebacks, um, merchant error, and then friendly fraud. So no matter what uh, the reason code is, they come from one of those sources, right? So if you can eliminate criminal fraud, um, which is pretty easy with the solutions out there today, I wouldn't say easy, sorry, <laughs> but fairly, um, you know, easy to take care of on the front end, um, and then you know you're left with merchant error and friendly fraud. If you can identify the reasons that are causing chargebacks through the the merchant error, then you're just left with friendly fraud, which usually can be overturned uh, through the representment process. So, the the rule of thumbs is is to be left with friendly fraud so that you can represent them successfully.
2: Okay. Uh, this uh, person asked, "What industries have major concerns? Is it more with friendly or criminal fraud?" And, and I guess that that means are there certain verticals that have more of an issue with friendly fraud uh, and uh, than criminal fraud, and vice versa? And and do you, can you point those out for for the folks on the line?
3: Yeah, I think um, you know, anytime you have a tangible product involved, you're going to have a, a little bit more of a criminal fraud intent uh, to. Get something for free. Um, it, digital services don't really have as much criminal fraud in the form of you know getting a service for free. But um, I see it in high ticket items, you know, electronics or something that could be resold for money, um, something that could be uh, shipped to a different location. Uh, you know, it, anything that's higher tickets is going to have a, a more fraud uh, you know problem than something with a lower recurring charge, you sign up, you set it, you forget it, uh, you know your customer, you have great history with them. Um, those are going to be lower instances of criminal fraud, but higher instances of friendly fraud. So um, but yeah, it, it's a mix for, <laughs> for me. Uh,
2: here's a, a simple question, probably not a simple answer. How can we improve our win rate?
3: Uh, minimizing those chargebacks that you should not be getting. So if you're getting criminal fraud chargebacks and you've identified that, do something about it because you certainly do not want to represent those as a company, that's gonna be a very bad thing to do. You have a reputation with issuers, especially if you are a large brand and those issuers will be um, not happy if you represent a fraud, an actual fraud chargeback because you're saying, okay, I still want my money give it back to me if you represent it. So uh, getting rid of those chargebacks is your first step. Um, you know, look at look at your fraud exposure, lean on some experts, whether that's through a third party like us or front end fraud filter, uh, eliminate that and then eliminate the hard to overturn merchant air chargebacks. A good example of that is hey, if I was working with a merchant and that merchant never sent out the product that was ordered, that is a very hard chargeback to overturn because they never shipped it like they never got it and they kept the money so they had to go to their bank so if you can eliminate all of those merchant error and criminal fraud chargebacks then you're left with that friendly fraud which could um almost immediately improve your win rate because those are legitimate transactions um you have the right to that those funds and for whatever reason it went into a chargeback cycle uh
2: this one asks why does my acquirer reject my representments
3: um So, Chargebacks nine one one. We have a sister company called Fi nine one one, and I think it's the lack of data that merchants have today that make it difficult to understand what actually happens when they submit a a representment. So, when a chargeback comes in, um, or a dispute comes in from you know one of the many avenues, but in this case, a chargeback, and they're creating a representment a lot of merchants are not aware of what actually happens when they submit that representment. So it goes to the acquirer. The acquirer has tons of res- responsibility in this process. They have to upload it to the card schemes. They have to uh, hide information. They have to label documents. They have to shift through the paperwork. They have to, you know, um, they have to be intuitive to your structure and to your file type. They have all of this work that they have to do before it even gets to the issuer. So, having acceptance with your acquirer. If you're not being successful with that, you're probably missing a really important factor that needs to be included in that case. Um, and that's just something that's going to change uh, from acquirer to acquirer. Uh, they're going to require a certain structure or format, um, and that's probably what you're missing out on. But um, that's why you know we do what we do to just help out in that process.
2: And uh, you you just touched on, on issuers. They're of course the, the next link in that chain. Um, with all of the extra you know additional fraud in, in the past year, are there do you have any insights into what issuers are doing and how they're responding to what's happened?
3: Um, I think issuers are making it more efficient. I think we we've, we've seen that happen in the past. Just because the uh, normal trending rate of chargebacks go up each year anyway, um, or disputes go up rather. And a lot of that is due to convenience. Um, you have to think about every cycle or every level of the chargeback cycle has a responsibility. So even issuers don't like chargebacks. <laughs> I mean, their consumers are disputing charge. They have to have a team, they have to take incoming calls, they have to take incoming inquiries, they have to. And this is a massive manual process on these issuers. So. I think you will continue to see um, issuers make it more convenient and efficient and um, of a process for their consumers to um, remedy a dispute just because they have no choice. Like uh, consumers are very aware, they're gonna only continue to be aware of this process and disputes are only gonna go up. Um, Same thing with the card schemes, you're seeing them come up with tools to help uh, fast track the process of disputes Uh, whether that's pre-chargeback or post-chargeback. There's lots of things that you're seeing um, on on making it more efficient and more convenient uh, for both consumers and merchants. But uh, just a lot of people are not adopting it yet. But um, yeah, I think you're just going to see it easier and easier to file the chargeback just because you, you really have no choice as an issuer.
2: Okay. Okay, I think we're gonna wrap it up there. We have a few minutes before the top of the hour, let everybody get ready for their next uh, call or meeting or whatever. Uh, I wanna thank so much David and Amina and Jared for helping out here. Uh, as Jared mentioned, the, uh, the chargeback uh, field report is available. Uh, it will dive into these issues uh, with a little more detail than, than uh, we were able to, to get through in this one hour, but uh, go check that out. There's a lot of great information there. Thank you so much for everybody for hanging in this long with us and uh, we appreciate uh, you, you doing so and uh, I appreciate um, the folks uh, who have joined us to, to take us through this data today. So thank you all. And uh, we will see you next time.
3: Thanks, DJ.
0: Thank you.
2: Thank you.